Welcome back to Becoming Your Best Version, a podcast in which I get to interview inspiring women I've met in my travels. I'm Maria Leonard Olson. I'm an attorney, author, journalist, podcaster, and radio show host. I am lucky enough to have met some really inspiring women, and I believe that every person has a capacity to teach us something if we are open to the lesson. Today, joining us from Boston, the Boston area, is Nancy Gaudet. She's a strong, fiercely independent woman who cares deeply and loves unconditionally. Her story involves doing a bike ride for the Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation to raise funds for children with type 1 diabetes, as her son had been diagnosed with it at age 9. It was her fourth ride, and she was 58 years old. She completed the 100 miles and two hours later had a massive seizure, landing her in the ICU unit at a hospital in Florida. She spent five days there, close to kidney failure, and was even read her last rites. Fortunately, she has no permanent damage. She went through months of rehab and changed her life. Nancy manages 12,000 apartments and supervises 400 staff for a family-owned real estate company in Boston. Her greatest joy is her 22-year-old son. She's also an advocate and a fundraiser. She started and has been running for 10 years, a monthly support group for other moms whose children also have juvenile diabetes, helping more than 200 mothers with that effort. Nancy met her soulmate during the pandemic while working on another fundraiser. She and her partner were both working on a fundraising project for Dear Friends, a friendship formed, and a goal of raising a substantial amount of money to help mutual friends was achieved. According to Nancy, that first kiss after months of talking on the phone for hundreds of hours was just like living in a Hallmark movie. There was that one singular slow motion moment when time stood still and two very bruised and battered hearts let the tiny droplets of love seep in slowly. She believes that there are no coincidences. There are only God instances. Welcome, Nancy. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, your story is really incredible. I mean, uh, there's so many things that I want to ask you about. First of all, you were you were basically dying, and somehow higher power, Earth Mother, God, whatever you want to call it, decided not yet, not yet. What what? How did that change your life to have been so close to death and given another chance? Well. I spent uh, the months um, that I was in rehab uh, really thinking about, you know, what's important in my life and what are the things that I value. Ironically, after that incident, the first time I went to church, the priest asked us to go home and write our own obituaries. (gasps) Oh, my gosh, I just got chills. Wow. So I thought about that and his, his homily was all about what are you doing in your dash, which is the space between 
my birth year, 1960, and the year that you died. Mm -hmm. So I spent time thinking about that. And I thought it was ironic that I went to that particular mass. I wasn't supposed to be driving yet. I got in my car and I drove the two miles to church and it took me 20 minutes to get out of the car because I was still having trouble walking. And I just thought, well, that was a God instance that I went to that particular mass. So anyways, I spent the rest of my rehab thinking about what I, what I needed to do in my life. I made a bucket list, Mm -hmm. obviously. (laughs) Ironically, I took uh, an acting class, a ballroom dancing class. I love it. (laughs) And started to do things out of my comfort zone because I thought, well, I have a lot of runway left now. I was saved. And what do I want to do differently? I also looked at my relationships and got rid of some of the bad ones that weren't serving me well anymore. So important. And just, I was given a gift of being able to see things, I think, through a different lens. Absolutely. Wow. Wow. I am just so blown away by your story because a lot of people when faced with um, health challenges I've experienced closed down, but this just inspired you to do more. And that is, wow. I, I just am inspired by you. Well, thank you. I have to say, I learned that I have really good friends, mm-hmm. really good family and support. Uh, my work colleagues were unbelievable. Before I came home from the hospital, there were grab bars already in my apartment oh. so that I could stand up in the shower. Um, people brought me food and flowers, and wow. it was really a gift in a way. Oh it gosh. also, I was in the, I was only separated, and I was in the process of getting divorced. So that when I realized the reality of the fact that if something did happen to me, my son would not have been the number one priority because of how the laws are. Mm. Everything really would have gone to my spouse. Right. So I moved up the paperwork to get divorced and got my affairs in order. I actually then wrote a notebook and changed my uh, healthcare proxies and all that and wrote a notebook and gave it to a friend and said, you know, in the event that something does happen to me, this is what I want. These are my wishes. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when you're 58 or whatever, you don't really think of those things, right? You just, uh, so I would encourage anyone listening, if you have been saying, I'm going to put that off, I'm going to put that off think about it again, because your life can change in a day and something could happen. And you want to make sure you're in control of where your money goes and what happens. That's such an important message. Wow. It's true because I am a lawyer and intestacy laws vary by state. And it typically, whatever, if you die without a will, it goes to your quote, closest relatives. And in your case, everything you're right would have gone to your husband and then he could have decided whether to give it to your son or not. Mm-hmm. Um, well, depending on what the, I actually don't know the state law in Massachusetts, but that's generally what happens. Yes. And that, that is how it works in Massachusetts. Yes. 
Yeah. So I also am interested in what you said about looking at your relationships, because I too did that for different reasons. But at age 50, I really evaluated all the relationships in my life. And I now choose to stay away from energy vampires or people who are super negative. And it's a very, um, it's very much a boundary setting exercise for me. So what did that mean for you? And did people get upset as your relationship started to fall away and maybe in some cases? Um, I think that it meant for me that I, same thing. I wanted to be with positive people. I was grateful to wake up each day and choosing, I met some really, really great women when I went on a retreat that fed my soul mm -hmm. and you know, took on some new friendships that are still in my life today that are very meaningful. The retreat was for women in transition. So Ooh. what, yes. tell me more, which retreat was it? It was called um, Rise Up Retreat. A friend of mine uh, had been doing them every year and now she has not had one due to COVID. Right. But we have met on Zoom and every year we have met and talked about what, what are your three words going to be for the year? Ah, I'm going to really look cool. that up. That looks, sounds like a really great retreat. I love women's retreats. Well, I will tell you when the next one is. Uh, I think she is planning something in the spring. Okay. In person. She limits it to 20 people. Great. And, you know, I met someone last year who had lost her son. She was in transition from losing her son. Uh, the last time I did the retreat, I met someone else who uh, was an empty nester, someone else that was getting divorced, someone else that lost their husband. So it was a really cool group of women who, as the retreat is named Rise Up, we helped each other rise up, did a bunch of exercises, uh, did yoga, and spent the weekend together at a lovely resort on the Cape, on the water. Mm. And I started you know, thinking it's okay to do those things for yourself, right? You always put yourself last. Yep. I've, I've gained a lot in trying to figure out what I'm doing for the rest of my life. It's also taught me to wake up grateful, to surround yourself with people that um, have the same um, morals and ethics and think the same way that you do. Yeah, I am a big fan of women's retreats and reflecting on where your life has been and where you're going and continually trying to learn and make your life better and expand it in some way. And you're someone who really lives by that. Uh, and aside from the fact that you have this very high powered job in Boston with a huge staff, you juggle so many things and yet you still today run a support group for moms whose children have juvenile diabetes. Even though your son is now an adult, I'm guessing that a lot of the people in your support group are just starting out and their needs might be different from yours. So tell us about your support group and why you continue to be part of that. Sure. Uh in all honesty, I started it for selfish reasons. Sure. I wanted to meet other moms uh, that had children with type one. 
Uh, I had the space available and advertised it through JDRF, Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation, and through endocrinology offices. And really, the success of it has really been through word of mouth from other moms. So the power of women, right? I love that. And um, I have learned so much. I continue to do it and will continue to do it uh, even after I retire. And I, I think that after I retire, I'd like to maybe focus on that project. I would love to see moms groups all over New England yeah. uh, that meet and support each other. I've learned a lot and I do stay doing it even though my son is older. The thing for me is when you first get the diagnosis, it changes your entire life. Yeah. It's like getting a cancer diagnosis. And I don't think people understand that. You actually go through a grieving process because sure. you know that your child is going to be faced with this for the rest of their lives. Mm-hmm. The beauty of meeting monthly is I'm always amazed at how helpful other moms are to other moms. You know, someone came last month, they're new, newly diagnosed, their kid is six. Well, there's two other moms in the room that give her suggestions about what to have for snack or we cry a lot, we laugh a lot, but it's really an enriching, I think that it's really, (laughs) it's going to sound stupid, but I think it's what God has chosen for me to do. Like not I, stupid at all. This is your a life purpose. Uh, it's it's right. beautiful that you I have found this. I yeah. think it is my life purpose. Uh, so I'm going to keep doing it for as long as I can. That's beautiful. I really applaud you paying it forward and helping so many women with your right. This is so scary. I We talked earlier before we started recording. I Uh, maybe this is too codependent, but I would die for my kids. And Mm -hmm. to feel so helpless that you can't protect them from every danger in the world. And especially when it comes to their health is, is so scary. Agree, agree. And, you know, there's all kinds of life stages when you have a child like that, you know, one mom said last month, you know, I'm afraid my kid won't get invited to a sleepover because what other mom is going to want to give my kid an injection in the middle of the night or check his blood sugar and the mom sitting next to her said I felt the same way and I found another mom that said okay or have your own sleepover so you have control over it so it's just amazing to me how helpful they are to each other oh that's really beautiful my goodness I I had another guest on the show who wrote a book called The Two Most Important Days. And the two most important days, in her opinion, are the days, the day you were born and the mm-hmm. day you find your life's purpose. Oh, and that's so cool. Maybe you've found, it sounds like you have found your life's purpose. And you also have had this amazing thing happen to you during the pandemic is you met your soulmate. Woo! Who who would think that someone in their 60s would meet someone that's finally their soulmate? But another thing I love about your story is that you just kept doing things that fed you and that brought, that elevated the world. And during that journey, 
this very good thing fell into your lap that and when you were least expecting it probably right. and I, that's why i always try to encourage my single friends to just do things that feed you and then you'll find someone who might be a like-minded traveler and exactly. it happened for you it happened for you i love it it did. I wish people could see my smile from ear to ear right now. <laughs> <laughs> so did you two live near each other and you, but you couldn't see each other because of the pandemic and just talk on the phone or was it a Zoom situation? What happened? Um, well, a woman in my, my colleague in my office, her husband got diagnosed with glioblastoma in March mm. when the pandemic first hit. His best friend bought them a van and brought them to every doctor's appointment for radiation. Mind you, Boston was shut down. So the commute into Boston for those appointments was kind of a gift, right? Wow. So everyone at my office wanted to help my friend as well. So I started a committee here to do some fundraising and try to get the employees involved. And that best friend that was driving them to appointments said to my friend, I wanna do something fundraising wise for you guys. And she said, well, so does my friend. So is it okay if I give you her phone number? And he said, sure. So she did. And we spent hours talking on the phone. He had a committee of, um, all of John's friends and I had a committee of all of Jean Marie's friends and we met on Zoom um, once a week. We ended up raising a lot of money for them. We, I had only seen him on Zoom. I had only talked to him on the phone. So funny, the first Friday night that he called me, he said, how much money do you think you wanna raise? And I said, I don't know, a half a million dollars. How much do you wanna raise? And he said, well, that sounds like a good goal. I'm up for that. And when I looked at, of course, you know, I went to Google and looked him up, right? <laughs> uh -huh. So you got to love Google, right? So yes. I look him up and I see that he is a master fundraiser, mm. that he raises tens of thousands of dollars for causes that he's passionate about. Wow. Now I can raise money for J I've raised money for JDRF, but I've probably raised, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars. He can raise millions. So I'm like, okay, I guess <laughs> I'll hang with him. We, the first Friday night he calls me, we end up talking on the phone for five hours. <gasps> Whoa. I what? know. And was there a spark even in that first? Call? It was just, it was a lot about, you know, talking about our friends. We grew up a town away from each other on the North Shore, north of Boston. Wow. We were football rivals in high school. <laughs> My gosh. Were you in just, high school at the same time? No, I am uh, older than he is, two years older than he is. Go, Nancy! <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? So the next Friday night, he sent me a text message saying, what's the deal? No five-hour phone call tonight? Are you free? Oh, I said, sure. Um, well, I, I said, give me a half an hour. I didn't want to get right on the phone and make it look like I was really interested. So we talked. <laughs> <to another. laughs> 
talked for another five hours that night. And then um, many, many phone calls and we couldn't see each other. Finally, I was delivering, getting a desk delivered to my colleague. And I said, would you mind meeting me at their house on Saturday and helping me put the desk together? So that was the first time we met face to face after hours and hours and hours and Zoom calls on the phone. And that was a couple of months after our first connection. Oh my gosh, I've got chills again. And for me, chills means truth. It means for me that you guys were meant to be together. And I'm just so happy and tickled by your story. Oh my gosh. Isn't that crazy? And he's he's my soulmate. I oh. I think this May is going to be two years that we'll be together. Beautiful. Um, so, and I, I feel so blessed. Like it was a God instance that we... And mind you, the Thanksgiving before that, he was at their house um, and I was at their house because they do this open house brunch thing. We never spoke to each other. We never even said hello to each other. <laughs> I spent about a half an hour in the kitchen speaking to his sister. Uh, and the other ironic thing is we're both going through our divorce at the same time. We have both moved out of our houses and we're navigating that whole thing. So we're able to support each other emotionally when we were doing that too. And I always say to him, I would have met you eventually. (laughs) And, you know, we were at their house for Thanksgiving. We, I would have met you. And he said, no, I don't think so. Wow. Um, So it does really feel like a God instance that if that didn't happen and we won't weren't doing something that we were both passionate about and helping our friends, unfortunately, his and that was his best friend. His best friend died seven months later, mm. but we were able to raise a substantial amount of money and help the family and um, help with you know college education and all of that. So it was. You know, I learned a lot in the process too and met some wonderful new friends that uh, were a lot of his friends. There's just some parallels, like he has friends in his life that he's known for over 20 years and so do I. Mm -hmm. And he is passionate about raising money and causes that he cares about. He loves to send cards and so do I. It's just like lots of different things. We both like red wine. That's all good too. (laughs) Oh, how beautiful. So you mentioned earlier in our talk that you created a bucket list and you talked about a couple of the things that you've done. Can you name one other thing on your bucket list that you haven't done yet? I want to go to Italy and ride my bike over in... Tuscany and drink good wine and eat pasta. That's on my nice. bucket list. Oh, that sounds like a good one. Wow. Yeah, Tuscany is beautiful and I've been blessed to be able to have gone there. So I oh, hope you goodness. get there soon with this soulmate, actually. I hope he can ride a bike. He can now. He had he, <laughs> he was not a bike rider at first and he took his bike out of the shed after 20 years. And uh, I remember him saying, I, I, and his bike was old and kind of heavy. And I said, I think you need a new bike. And I remember <laughs> him saying, I'm not quite ready for that commitment yet, he said. <laughs> oh, that's funny. It sounds like he has a really good sense of humor. 
He does too. It, we laugh a lot. It's so funny because I was on a dating website. That was the other thing I did. That was on my bucket list after my seizure. Joined a dating website and I only had three things that were on my list. Someone to ask me how my day was, someone to make me laugh, and someone to make me dinner. Those were the only three things I was looking for. So early on in our relationship, he could cook. Can you believe it too? He so he could. <gasps> unusual for that for men our age wonderful so he calls me every night and asks me how my day was still today and he makes me laugh I make him laugh too and he can make me dinner so I feel like I all my wishes came true oh my gosh I love that well my significant other Hits the first two, but he's really not a good cook. <laughs> There's always takeout. Yeah, that's right. Well, luckily I do like cooking, so it all works okay. out. That works out. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'd like to ask all of our guests because there's such a wealth of knowledge out there among women, especially women like you who actively try to, to rise up, like the name of that retreat that you that you go on and that you're looking, I admire that you're looking for meaning, especially in this chapter of our lives, having had, especially for you, a near-death experience. So my question is, what do you do to become your best version? Well, I wake up grateful every day. Mm. I do pray every day. And this man also goes to church with me, if you can believe that. Oh, wow. He seems too good to be true. (laughs) I know. I kept thinking he was an axe murderer. And if we didn't have common (laughs) friends, we didn't have common friends, I would be thinking he wasn't for real. And he's actually on a texting basis with a priest. So we choose whatever mass he's speaking at to go to together and did that through the pandemic when we could finally go back to church. So I have to say I'm a faithful person and I wasn't always a faithful person. Mm -hmm. I lost my faith along the way and stopped going to church quite some time ago. I feel like that helps me to be the best version of myself because I think that that's what God wants for us. He's helping us to be the best version of ourselves. So faith, gratitude, and prayer seem to really be working for you because you really just glow with, um, I don't know, what I sense in your energy is that you're grounded, that you have found inner peace and purpose. And that is is just what everyone wants, don't we? And I think it's a gift. It's a gift. And it, you know, my life hasn't always been easy. So it's especially significant that finally I feel like I'm in a good place. Yeah. Well, wow. Thank you for sharing your story with us, uh, your message of hope and purpose and faith. And I just so appreciate the work that you're doing and the light that you're bringing to the world. So thank you. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. And I hope someone does find some hope in my story. That would be my goal, that someone else listens and says, wow, if that can happen to her, it can happen to me. Well, for our listeners, well, no doubt they will. 
But for our listeners, if someone's listening who has a child with juvenile diabetes, how can Mm -hmm. they find a support group? Or if they want to start one of their own, how can they find the one in the Boston area that you run? Um, They could email me or call me, text me. Well, could they go through JD, the Juvenile Diabetes Research Association? I can give you, I can give you my email and my phone number if you want to produce uh, these on the show. That would be great. Okay, I'll put your, I'll put your email in the show notes, and then other people can contact you. Um, I don't want to send out your phone. You okay. never know. So I'm just going to okay. include your email address so right. you can maintain some privacy. But and that would be, I, I have a separate email address. It's a Gmail address. So I uh, can send that to you so that you have that. And Perfect. that would be the best way to get in touch with me. And if I can't help them, I can find somebody that can. Oh, thank you, Nancy. Thank you for being with us and join us again next week for another inspiring story.